0: Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where new signings are guaranteed a great debut. Join and choose your welcome offer at betvictor.com. 18 plus, be
1: NFL Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away.
2: I'm
1: Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the VAR at the Bar podcast. I'm your host today, I'm Dan, and I'm joined by... I'm Ann. And I'm Chris. Evening, chaps. How are we doing?
2: Yeah, not too bad, thank you, mate. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Sat down with a beer after a long day, so ready to talk football.
2: Yeah. The end is nine. We're nearly out of it now. I can see the finishing straight, the last 100 metres.
1: And then I'll we might that. be
2: able to go to a pub inside.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch the Euros in a pub. Yeah, that'd be nice. Huh. So, um, did you catch the Champions League action this week? Semi-finals?
2: I did, yeah. I saw the highlights of it. Very All-English um, final. Can't beat that, can you?
0: I saw no. uh, I saw a bit of the Man City game. I didn't see any of the Chelsea game, unfortunately.
1: Mm. Uh, both games I saw, they're... Football quality was really good, and uh, the English teams dominated. To be fair, well worthy of being in the final.
2: Yeah, I heard, I uh, saw some clips, especially of Man City's defending, very last stitch, and very good, well, well organised as well. And they, looked
1: up they, for it, didn't they?
2: They did definitely. The whole cheering after every tackle being made, yeah. <laughs> followed by the petulance from the stars of PSG.
1: Oh, I've lost their heads, the didn't they? The
2: capitulation. Them. I guess I'm going
0: to have to support Chelsea in the final. <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. No, but, but, but guys, you know, this is a rags to riches story, Man City, 22 years. <laughs> Warms They're your heart, doesn't it? <laughs> <Eve on>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, to put it another way, like you did earlier, Ant, they... Um... <laughs> Yeah, banned from the competition like a year ago and then two weeks ago they said they were never going to play in it again.
0: <laughs> I mean, the final, oh well, actually the, the final four teams, in it? I mean, three of them didn't want to, effectively said they didn't want to be in the Champions League anymore. So
2: yeah.
1: they should
0: have yes, just yeah. given it to PSG and be done with it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think that's what the route for their next protest is going to be, to be honest, because they, they're that desperate to win it and I think that's the only way they're going to win it. <laughs> They keep doing their second-half capitulations. I think that's the closest they're ever going to come.
1: <laughs> Bless them, they try every year, don't they, PSG?
2: Yeah. They try. How much money they
1: spent on that team?
2: <laughs> they just lose their heads. Just Absolutely, absolutely bonkers.
0: I just think it's absolutely mad that we've got an all-English final and they've got to go all the way to Turkey in the middle of a the end of a pandemic to play yeah. this game.
2: However, I've heard some breaking news about that. That Villa Park have put their name in in the hat to hold it.
1: Okay, why Villa Park?
2: Yeah, but
0: oh, okay. um, it, it's still the government has still got to say that the teams can't go to Turkey.
2: Yeah. It's, it's basically are they, are it they,
0: down to the governments to say it's not safe to play in Turkey.
2: And and I guess they're looking at it probably on a financial side as well, and thinking we might be able to get fans in if it's after the certain.
0: Yeah, uh, and I think it's also the fact that you've got all these broadcasters and journalists who have probably booked travel and flights to Turkey now. Yeah, so, you know, it's a bit probably. such a shame if they have to rearrange it all, wouldn't it? Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: but anyway,
2: I mean, just back onto the football side, I mean, Tuchel has beaten every big manager, hasn't he, since, since he's taken over at Chelsea? I must admit, I put my hand up and was a bit dubious at first about him, but he seems to be doing a grand job, doesn't he?
0: Need to correct you there, Chris. He hasn't beaten
2: Sam Allardyce. Uh,
1: <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. Everyone but I apologize.
1: All the big <laughs> managers but big Sam.
2: <laughs> Former England coach, I'll have you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm.
2: My question is, would you would you have beaten Steve McLaren if he was a coach of a club still?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he would. <laughs> What do you reckon then,
2: guys? What's the score going to be then? Do you think this is going to be uh, Man City's year, or or it's do
1: you think Man City's year? It's got to be. I think Chelsea will win it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I do think Chelsea will just pip it.
2: You know what? I'll, I'm going to do a Kevin Keegan, but I'll love it <laughs> if Timo Werner pulls out an absolute worldie of a performance. And just shuts up every single negative thing that they've said about him <laughs> all of this year.
1: <laughs> I would actually like that. I like to hear just it.
2: just to prove people wrong. I think he's had a tough year. The lad has ten assists. I mean, in the Premier League. I mean, I think that's the highest strike. I think he's second side behind mind. Harry Kane on that. No, big final know. though. I hope that it will be a real and just uh, let them play at their best.
1: Really. No, I think it will be. Both are very energetic teams, aren't they?
2: Yeah.
0: Speaking of facts, though, um, did you know Chelsea reached the Champions League final now three years, in three, uh, three times, and each time they've changed the manager
1: mid-season.
2: Ooh, Ooh, yeah, that's a good stat. Yeah. I like that.
1: Let's change the manager more often.
0: <laughs> I think they do it enough. But I don't think you need
1: to encourage them. Send <laughs> <laughs> an email to Mr. Abramovich with that stat. <laughs> all right guys what have we got
2: them for this episode then Dan?
1: yeah i'll give you was? the running order we're going to kick things off looking at uh, our top five football songs then we're going to ask ant for his good the bad the obscure and we're going yeah. to chris for a bit of warnock watch this week yeah and we'll look at our top 10 premier league finales so the final game of the season and all the drama that's unfolded around it, we've put in our top 10 list together and ranking them. And then I'll give you a fantasy football update. And then I'll see you guys head to head for a quiz.
2: Sounds good to me, mate. Yeah.
1: All right. So top five football songs. Did you have enough to pick from?
0: Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a few. There's not many, is there? <laughs>
1: It's not many I actually a few like, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that was the trouble. I was trying, trying to find ones I actually liked. Yeah. <laughs> so I've picked four that I actually like. Well, one of them is a bit naughty, but I've, I found three that I like, and then I've gone for one that I didn't really like, but I thought it was funny.
2: Yeah, I've picked pick well-known ones, and there's a couple that I've just added on, but there's um majority of them I liked anyway. <laughs>
1: All right. Do you want to kick us off then, Chris, if you give us one first?
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we've got to start things off with Bindaloo, Fat Les, haven't we?
1: <laughs> Quality track.
2: Keith uh, Allen stomping round, is it London, with his cronies?
0: <laughs> I'm not going to lie, it, I actually left that one off because it's fucking annoying. I know it's <laughs> iconic, but it's annoying as anything.
2: <laughs> the, the thing, The thing is, normally it is annoying, but you know what, when you're in a pub... When it's the start of a major championship, or the match is coming in five minutes long, and that pops up. It just gets you a bit more revved up, doesn't it? It's, it just gets you, gets you, gets your blood flowing a bit more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's just a bit harmless fun, and it's a it obviously a, a, the video is a parody of Bittersweet Symphony, which uh, exactly, exactly. So you, you're not a Vindaloo fan, then? And
0: I don't, I don't mind the curry, but uh,
1: not necessarily <laughs> the song. <laughs> We all like Vindaloo. Yeah. All right, and you give us one, please.
0: Yeah, I'm going to kick it off with my favourite World in Motion. You can't get better than that
1: one. Yeah, that's, that's a good. proper a proper classic from a decent band. Yeah, yeah, I've stuck it on my list as well. It's uh, it's a nice track, isn't
0: it? You Iconic. It's the best. I mean it would have been a brilliant track had John Barnes decided not to rap halfway through it but he just he, he makes it that bit like just the right amount of cheesiness for it. Yeah. But if it didn't have that in it it'd still be a great track on its yeah. on its own right.
1: It's no. a good point. Does it does it add or does it detract from the song? I think it adds it's it either way. in a way because I you I think
0: got it, it adds, in, it, adds like... it in a football sense but it, if you were listening to New Order's
2: greatest hits, you're probably thinking, oh, Christ, what's this rubbish? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want, you'd skip if you were an actual massive New Order fan, probably a Music enthusiast, <laughs> but If you like a bit of footy as well, then I'm sure that you would listen to
1: it. Yeah, no, good pick. It's on my list. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you another one. I went for another one of my favourites, Three Lions by the Lightning yeah. Seeds. Yeah, good pick. Which Again, one, the 96 or
0: 98?
1: Well, the 96 yeah. one, obviously.
2: <laughs> and then the, the other rebrands that they've done on every single <laughs> championship since. But no, a fantastic song, isn't it? Yeah, I think it,
1: in 1996, I think that song got to the top 30 in the German charts as a single. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Really, it? really that's yeah. Nice. No, that's true. Yeah, it was was just uh, such a popular track. It was a bit of a phenomenal at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. With the Euros being held in my childhood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Go on, Chris, you give us another.
2: Yeah. Okay, Um, I'm going for, this is a bit of a parody one, reach number one, and it's Sven, 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 Goren Ericsson, by Bell and Sterling. You must remember that vaguely that was yeah. terrible it was terrible but it was brilliant you got you got to put them in it they made number one in the in the top 40 I mean wow that's mad isn't it absolute madness but fair play to them they took took advantage and did it
1: I'm speechless that I got to number one
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> alright and it was with another
2: uh, you'll never walk alone. Yes, I was thinking that, but I didn't want to be too um, too biased. It's just <laughs> iconic. Well, it's not about being biased. It's just it's just iconic.
1: It's you didn't yeah. list five Liverpool songs.
0: I've got Camp one more to go yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you got featuring John Barnes, and you've got "Never Walk Alone." <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, what can you say about it? It's. Uh... It's um, such an iconic song for Liverpool Football Club. And even just to hear the Liverpool fans singing it on the terrace, you just have such an appreciation for the togetherness of it. It's a a great track. Yeah.
0: It's it's haunting when they start singing it in the stadium. Oh,
1: yeah. It is. It is, you're
2: right. It's the 12th man, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sing it before the game kicks off. (laughs) Daunting. All right. I've gone for... A song called Eat My Goal by Collapsed Lung. I don't know if you remember that one. I don't know it that was, yeah, yeah. It was around the same time in the lead up to Euro 96. It was used on a, an advert by Coca-Cola and they had like a, an advertising campaign. It was eat football, sleep football, drink Coca-Cola. And the song seemed to just pop up everywhere thereafter in relation to football.
2: Yeah. No, but yeah, I quite enjoyed that one. Yeah. No, I like that one. Um, my final one really is, um, Dario G, Carnival de Paris.
1: Oh yeah, I remember that.
2: That's where they got all, the, the good thing about that is they got the sounds from all the different countries, didn't they? All like a bit of African bit, bit of Asian. thought it was a very good mix.
1: Yeah, it was a fun track. It's um, It
2: was a real fun one, yeah. It's more, more Euro a than... pop
1: star. <laughs> yeah, it's a Euro pop and dance. It's very different vibe to a lot of football songs, isn't it? It's a uh, it's a good one. Well, and you got another one for us? Um, yeah, you actually
0: mentioned it last time. It's the Anfield rap. <laughs> oh,
1: <yeah. laughs> you didn't
0: actually go there, did you? I did, I did.
1: bloody yeah.
0: <laughs> oh. I, I had to. Some people <laughs> like it. Some people hate it. You know, everyone talks about it. You name it. You you start talking about football songs. Everyone will say the Anfield rap.
1: Yeah, but not not glowingly. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> no publicity like bad publicity. No, fair enough. You're right. It is a talked about football song. It's fair enough. All right. I'll give you one that uh, I don't really like, to be honest, but I needed, I wanted to talk about it. And it's um, Don't Come Home Too Soon by Della So this was a song for Scotland in the 1998 World Cup, <laughs> inspired by being drawn against Brazil in the group stage, I think. <laughs> So they quickly rustled it up. Just <laughs> How how depressing is that for a Scotland player? They write a song about your World Cup prospects, Don't Come Home Too Soon. <laughs> well, it's the,
2: it's, it's the optimism of the progression into the next round.
1: I remember in the music video as well, they, they said to all the Scotland players, right, do loads of skills like all the South Americans. They went, you what? We can't do that. And he ended up with just like Colin Henry doing a couple of kickups in the video. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, poor, poor, poor. it's
1: just so scottish football the whole affair. yeah
2: <laughs> it's quite it's quite funny how you say that colin henry did a few kick-ups when Gazza gaza chipped it over him for the <laughs> for him to then catch on the body in 96
1: but
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'm all out of mine to be honest mate, you've uh named my top my five anyway
1: all right you got any left hand
0: i've got one um I had to look it up but I it's uh, Stern de Sudens. it's by Munich theme oh don't know that one it's, i mean it's it's okay uh, the only reason i i just put it on the list is cuz i remember being in a bar in munich when i think they just won an important game or title or something and there was this drunk guy just chanting it in my face for <laughs> two hours <laughs> <and> <laughs> you know what saying to you nicely of...
2: get involved <laughs>
0: It's kind of stuck in my head. Like I said, I didn't know the name of it. I just had to look it up. And then when I heard it again, I was
1: like, oh, yeah, that's the one. I
0: remember that. Oh,
1: <laughs> well, good pick. I like that. And uh, this this one's a bit of a cop-out, really, but my final pick was the uh, Champions League theme song. It's not really a song with words, but the, the tune. Just, yeah. Uh, I just it. You know it. Just it it. what? I, I,
0: you, I? I seriously considered that, and I thought, no, nah, it's not a tune. I can't put it in. But It fair just enough.
2: goes through you,
1: doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I've only, I've only been there live... A handful of times being a Leicester fan where I've been at a game and they played it before kickoff in a Champions League game, but it is it is something special. I do love that theme song. Yeah,
2: uh, that's good. Have you got any special mentions at all?
1: I have. I've got, I've got one for you, Chris. Is
2: it Crisscross? Oh, yeah. Cross?
1: No, I'm, I'm disappointed that you didn't mention it because you have done on a previous pod. And that's Royston Drenther, Tack Tacky.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mr. Drenta, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yes. I, I like that. That's good. Um, my one was um, I remember when back in the day when I was younger playing football at school at lunchtime, and somebody always goes crisscross, and then someone will go, Well, make you jump. I'm like, <laughs> oh, taking a yeah. taking a Mick out of my name and and using it as a foot, as a song, which wasn't even used as a football song, but I just used it as a bit of a joke there. Yeah,
0: the on there. the only uh, special mention I had was um, Arsenal's Hot Stuff
1: FA Cup song. <laughs> 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 it's just cringeworthy to say the least. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> there's a few of them down the years, isn't there? Cringe worthy FA Cup songs. That's yeah. another top 10. We can do in the that's future. another top 10
2: for itself, I think. Yeah, do you want me to go through a few of the social media ones? Yeah, what,
1: what did people have to say that uh, they like to social?
2: So, the first one I got is uh, 80s and 90s football. They said world in motion, new order, first yep. single he ever bought. Three lines, just a great, a great football song that really captured the summer of Euro ninety six. It did, yeah. And final one, Carnival de Paris, Dario G, France ninety eight anthem, still sounds good today, which I totally agree with.
1: Solid books. Uh,
2: then the next one we've got, uh Alex from The Scoreless Thriller, he put the song Put Them Under Pressure. Does anyone know that? That one?
1: No, I don't I know, know that one. That one
2: under pressure sung by Republic of Ireland football team Uh, that was uh, for Jack Charlton Italia
1: 1990 Mm -hmm.
2: we'll have to check that one out that's a good shout that is isn't it fantastic shout Uh, and then the next one I've got uh, is uh, Chris uh, Stonage uh, and he's got we're on the ball by PJ and Duncan (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that, that song, it just sticks in your head, doesn't it? Yeah, someone... exactly,
2: exactly. <laughs> um, Stu from the Stu and Al party he put best song, Three Lions. Yeah. Um, Rodney McCain um, has done, given me a chance about uh, Odie Gunnar Solskjaer. So, You Are My Solskjaer my Odie Solskjaer. You Make Me Happy When Skies Are Grey. Anand Sharer was Fucking dearer, so please don't take my soul show away. It's quite a nice chant. <laughs> no.
1: um,
2: then we've got another one, which is um, from um, a friend of mine called Regular Gav. He doesn't really follow football, but he th- he thought he'd try and get himself involved, which I thought was a nice gesture. Cool. Um, he said, Nastradama, if it doesn't, if it can count, did they use that for the start of? Was it a BBC?" World Cup, being the Nasodama. I don't know. I think so, but then he said World in Motion. Um, if it doesn't totally get let down by John Barnes wrapping, so is he, is he
0: not? Is he not thinking of the Champions League theme? Because people get that confused. With he probably is. Drama. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and then he then put um, World in Motion and noticed that Keith Allen was in that, and obviously in Vindaloo. There you oh,
1: go, man.
2: there's a fan. Hmm. Like uh, then we've got um Hatbridge Harry. He's a massive Tooting mission fan. So uh, apparently on a, a way day to Hastings, uh he put he put for a chant, Where were you in sixty six? He got an arrow in his eye, he got an arrow in his eye, he got an arrow in his eye, and it's all your fucking fault. Uh, Medieval themed songs from the Traveling Terriers during the 2016-17 season can't be a good old-fashioned chant, can you? <laughs> <laughs> I think Not I sure need to work on it a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't see it charting.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so we've got got that there. That's that, that, that's from the social media for that part, anyway. Yeah,
1: some good picks there. Some um, some different ones.
2: <laughs> yeah. I like uh,
1: some of the either. some of the football chants were quite interesting, weren't they? Yeah, that, that's again podcast um, we can do in the future. Top ten podcast, ch- top ten football chants. There's yeah. Exactly. Them,
2: <laughs> Who are you? City, your shit da.
1: All right, then. Uh, moving on, we've got ants doing the good, the bad, and the obscure this week.
0: Ooh, okay. Yeah, indeed. Um, so I thought after last week, um, as as interesting as Dan's was, it, it went on for quite a while. I should know because I edited <laughs> it. Um, it was very interesting. I thought I'd keep it short and sweet and uh, do a player that you should all know. Maybe some of our younger listeners might not. Uh, he was. Um, I'll, I'll give you a few clues. See if you get them before I get started. He he was a goalkeeper. Would you believe? What, you doing um, a goalkeeper, And Yeah, no. I know, I know, shock horror, I know. Horror. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. He was one of the mainstays of the early Premier League years. He's one of the most... Sort of, he, he was a regular
1: in goal. You want us to guess off that? He, yeah, Nigel Martin. No. Brad Friedel.
2: No. He, he was in early days, was he? No. Oh, uh, Neville Southall,
0: sorry. No. Craig Forrest. No. Nudick McGosco. No, good shout though. Pavel Serdichek. No. Dimitri okay. Karin. No. Ah, okay. No. No, that'll do.
1: Peter Schmeichel.
0: Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've gone with Steve Agrizevich. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. his
2: own. Oh. <laughs> Kept it local as well, mate.
0: Uh, localish, yeah. So he was the son of Nikola Grzyzewicz, a Yugoslav prisoner of war in Italy in World War II uh, who sought refuge in the UK after being liberated by British troops. Um, Steve started his um, career as a police officer at Mansfield Police Station. and Eventually, I don't know why, he signed on to be a professional football player Um, started at Chesterfield, making 16 appearances, uh, and was then soon snapped up by Liverpool. He then quickly realised that he was never going to displace Ray Clements at Liverpool. Um, He made his debut for the Reds on the 8th of March 1978 against Derby and conceded four goals. He was was actually at Liverpool for five years and he only made four appearances, but he came away with two European Cup medals. Mm -hmm. Not bad going... In 1982, he moved on to Shrewsbury, where he spent two years making 84 appearances before Coventry snapped him up in 1984 for £72,500. He played 16 seasons at Coventry, and uh, he collected an FA Cup winner's medal um, in 1987. Uh, But he never played in the European competition, because obviously all English clubs were banned at that time due to the Heisel disaster. And the highest position commentary attained um, in this period was seventh in the Premier League, sorry, in the First Division, and that was in 1988-1989. He also became one of very few goalkeepers to have scored from open play, the goal coming in a 2-2 draw at Sheffield Wednesday in the Football League First Division on 12 October 1986. Um, It was the only goal he ever scored uh, in a competitive game, but he he has another record in that he is also one of four players to have played top flight football in four different decades, along with Peter Shilton, John Lukic, and uh, my favourite, Sir Stanley Matthews. And I believe he still holds the club record of two hundred and nine consecutive league appearances for Coventry City player, from August nineteen eighty four to September uh, uh, nineteen eighty nine. Overall, he made 604 professional appearances in a playing career spanning 23 years. He was still Coventry's first goalkeeper at the start of 97-98, when, at the age of 40, he was the oldest player to play in a Premier League game that season. Um, In order to gain his final playing contract, Agrizovic had to give up smoking as one of the conditions. And he was then uh, the club's second-choice goalkeeper for the next two seasons following the arrival of Magnus Hedman, he finally retired in the 1999-2000 season. His final appearance for Coventry came on the 6th of May in 2000, against Sheffield Wednesday. He hadn't been first choice for much of that season, he was constantly alternating the number one position with Magnus Hedman, but he was awarded the jersey for the club's final home game in recognition of his outstanding service to the club. On no fewer than seven occasions in Agrizovic's time at the club, they came close to relegation from the top flight. They were finally relegated from the Premier League one season after his retirement. Uh, during the late 80s and 90s, he was generally considered to be uh, the best goalkeeper never to won a full England cap. And although frequently considered for selection during this period by a number of England managers, including Bobby Robson, Graham Taylor, he was never selected for the full squad, he was once considered to be selected for the Yugoslavian national team due to his parentage uh, in the late 80s, but he declined the offer. Anyway, after his, <clears throat> after his retirement from playing, he went on to manage the Coventry City reserve team and he continued to hold this under Chris Coleman. He then also became caretaker manager in conjunction with Brian Burroughs at the end of 2001-2002 season um, until Gary, Gary McAllister was appointed he then became Coventry's goalkeeping coach from 2008 to 2019. Aside from being a football player, he was also a cricketer, reaching Minor Counties level as a, fast, uh, as a medium-fast bowler. And he played three List A matches for Shropshire County Cricket Club in the NatWest Trophy and a further game for Minor Counties in the Benson Hedges Cup. Amongst the players who he got out at his level were Chris Broad, Martin Moxon and Alvin Khalid-Sharon. All international cricketers. I've heard of two of them, so I couldn't tell you if uh, if that's an achievement or not. Yeah. Anyway, no goalkeeper on our Good the Bad the Obscure list is complete without a funny story. In 2003, according to a petition posted on www.petitiononline.com, uh, Agrizovic had been travelling the world using only public transport in an attempt to raise money for a charity called Over the Bar which was devoted to helping young goalkeepers develop their skills as athletes. On his way through Kazakhstan, the unfortunate Mr. Grisevich had accidentally trespassed onto private military land, resulting in the hapless tourist incarceration and accused of being a spy. Uh, The British Embassy has contacted the Kazakhstani government, but nothing has come of this, wrote the author of the Free Steve Grisevich Appeal. Here is our petition to Tony Blair and the Kazakhstani government demanding the release of football legend... Steve Ogrizovich, and protesting his innocence. Anyone in doubt of uh, Ogrizovich's popularity among the Coventry City's forces were quickly set straight when a whopping total of just under 300 people flocked to sign this petition, calling on the uh, Kazakhstan to release their hero, a number that, in the intervening nine years, then mushroomed to more than 700. Please free Steve, as he's a bent-nosed hero to millions, implored one (laughs) signature. He's obviously innocent, and this is no way for a rubbish goalkeeper to have sp- to spend his time, wrote another. Anyway, a reporter from the Coventry Evening Telegraph wasn't having any of this, and he became a bit suspicious of this story. So he went to Coventry training ground and uh, asked him himself. Uh, this is a complete hoax, said a slightly surprised Gryzovich, upon being told of this rumour. I haven't a clue where it's come from. I haven't made any trips to Kazakhstan lately, nor am I planning to. I can only assume that with the well-documented breakthroughs in science of late, I've obviously been cloned. So, I mean, well, uh, while obviously he took it in quite good humour, um, it is perhaps worth noting that although he denied ever setting foot in Kazakhstan, he has never said he isn't a spy.
1: <laughs> wow. Interesting. There we are. <laughs> No, that was a good pick. He's, uh, he's a bit of a legend, is not
0: he? Yeah, he's a bit of a local legend, slash spy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: i seen a James Bond of Coventry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I saw a clip of him playing once, where it was in the. It must have been the eighties, where he was kicking a ball out as a clearance, and he was wearing trousers. He was playing in trousers, and his trousers flung off the end of his boot as he kicked the ball. <laughs> They must have been a bit baggy. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were <laughs> Like jogging trousers, they were gray jogging trousers. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was funny. But yeah, oh, he's, an, uh, he's a legend, iconic keeper. Keep them coming. Yeah, I'm all our goalkeepers now. <laughs> I can think of another one.
2: Well, who, Whose goes it? It's my go next next time, isn't
1: it? Yeah, you got one ready? Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. I might have to keep it in the keeper keeper uh, mantle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't Just have to. keep to. it flowing. You don't have to. It's up to you, mate. <laughs> All right, Chris, have you got anything for us on Warnock Watch?
2: Um, yeah, sure. Uh, so, where we left in, I <clears throat> should say Middlesbrough, uh, they really needed sort of a bit of a miracle to reach the playoffs. They need to win all the matches and Barnsley, who was sixth, to lose all of them. Uh, Next up for them was QPR, themselves in 11th base at the time and two points behind Borough. But unfortunately, they lost 2 0 at home. Uh, Balassi scoring Borough's only goal. Uh, In a post match um, conference, uh, Warnock said it was an absolute shambles. He's learned some valuable lessons today. And he's also admitted that there are some players at the club that just don't want to be there. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, unfortunately, after that game, Borough's playoffs hopes have now evaporated. Uh, Next up was a match against relegation-threatened Rotherham. Uh, Rotherham took a 1-0 early lead, but then got a player sent off, and uh, Borough turned it round, winning 2-1. Uh, Warnock's comments after the, the match where uh, the attitude was smashing today. Even when we went a goal down, I can tell the preparation in the dressing room was good. Even the music was quite good in the dressing room tonight. I enjoyed <laughs> that. So now this that was actually Borough Middlesbrough's first win in six six games. And next up for them was a match at home against Sheffield Wednesday, which they promptly won three one. And then um, they played Luton away. Uh, They both shared a goal in the first 25 minutes. Luton missed the penalty and it ended up 1-0. So currently, Borough are 10th in the league with a home match against more or less relegated Wanderers left. The best position they could get with results pending is 8th, but they could drop all the way down to 12th. If it, if it goes against them. I think this season's been a, a tough season for them, by the sounds of things. Been quite threadbare with the squad. And um, I guess he's quite a, he got quite annoyed with not enough money for transfer dealings, like probably a lot of other championship clubs. So they've had to hit the loan signings a little bit. I'm sure he was, wasn't particularly happy, um, especially during Christmas where... They were comfortable being the playoffs, weren't they? And now, unfortunately, they've got nothing really to play for now. Just a bit of pride now.
1: Yeah, but he, he, was, um, he was quite open at the start of the season. He thought they'd do well to get to mid-table because they, they, had, a, they had a thin squad. Yeah. And they, he knew they needed to develop. So I think yeah. they've, um, they've done well considering to be in the mix for the playoffs for a large part of the season. So I think he's done all right.
2: Yeah. I mean, before I go, I mean what, what do you think uh it will go go like who else do you think will go up to join um Norwich and Watford? It's at the moment all been been set up now, hasn't it? The playoffs have basically all been sorted now. Uh and it is Brentford, Swansea, uh Bournemouth and Barnsley at the moment in those positions. It's a tough um
0: it's gonna be a tough playoff this year.
2: It
0: really is. is. You haven't got that team that's hit form at the last minute and snuck in the playoffs that normally end up then going no. all the way. No. I think it's got to be Brentford's turn this year. Surely they've been knocking on the door for so long.
2: What is it about the third time now that they've got into the playoffs? So.
0: Must be. In the trot. But and yeah, every year they're they're there or thereabouts, and they just seem to.
2: Yeah, you, know, you think they're going to win a game, and they're going to lose it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll personally put, you know, patting the back to Barnsley, I would never put them in the playoff mix at all. As they only just, I think, missed the drop by like a point last year. So fantastic work by Barnsley on that.
1: Absolutely. I think my pick to make, to make it up through the playoffs would be Bournemouth. They've got a new manager in place. That seems to have bedded in. You still see some of the players that are producing in the Premier League and there's scoring goals now at the championship level. So I think they've probably got enough quality in that squad to come through.
2: Yeah. It's a tough one though, isn't it? it obviously, it all depends on um, where they're going to be placed for the semi-finals, already, isn't it? And then we go they go from there. I don't know about crowds or whether they'll be able to have anyone watching the, watching the games. but
1: I'm sure um, they will for the final.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Thanks very much for the updates on Warnock yeah. Watch, Chris.
2: No problem. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: All right. Next up, we're going to go into our top 10. And this week, we've got the top 10 Premier League finales. So we're looking at the last games of the season and uh, some interesting matches that we've had that are memorable for whatever reason. And all the drama that's unfolded on the final day. So as we always ask, how you found the list, guys?
2: Yeah, it's good. I, I enjoyed it. I I loved the last day of the season. Anyway, I just love it how you you know when you watch the highlights of match of the day, and they like switch from game to game. You, you see the highlights yeah. of one game, then oh, I'm just going over to Crystal Palace, Southampton now for there, what's happened there. Just like the you don't you don't know the full score until it hits. You know the ninety minutes on the highlights of all the games. But, yeah, I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I thought it was um, Yeah, it, it was interesting. Obviously, you've only got, what, 28 years to choose from, so there wasn't <laughs> – obviously, there's a lot of games, but it was then deciding, well, what, what order do I put them in and what constitutes yeah. being
2: higher than the other. I, f- I found that a lot of them seem to be more um, relegation dogfight ones rather than yeah. – Yeah. Yeah, which I think there's obviously a lot more – on them, isn't there, than say a European place, monetary wise, and it's just a lot more jeopardy, isn't there, with it?
1: Yeah, more often than not, the they're, they're a bit tighter in the table at that stage of the season, mm. aren't they?
2: Except for this
1: season. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's uh, let's kick it off then. So Ant, I'm gonna to come to you first. What's your number ten, please?
0: All right. At number 10, I've gone for the battle for the top four in 2002-2003 between Chelsea and Liverpool.
2: That's my number nine.
1: Oh, okay. I haven't actually put that on my list.
0: Um, So, obviously, uh, Liverpool had to win to finish in the top four. Um, They took the lead when Sammy Hippier nodded home a free kick. Um however cash strapped Chelsea hit back through goals from Marcel Desailly and Jesper Gronkia, um securing three points. Uh, that took Chelsea into Champions League spots and then um, persuaded a certain Russian billionaire to buy the club that summer. Yes. It's you know, had they not in the Champions League, then maybe we wouldn't have had the Chelsea revolution.
2: No, good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got all. It, all I've got is is a winner takes all match between the two teams. They're battling very closely for the last few few games of the season, and they called it the twenty million pound match. I mean, if you call that now, the twenty million pound match, you'd just be laughing, You'd be like, "Well, what league are we in?" <laughs> <laughs> you know. But back then, obviously, taking zero out, <laughs> and it's a, a bit more jeopardy with it, wasn't it? But it just makes me laugh hearing. The 20 million pounds it's almost like dr evil in uh, austin powers isn't it when he goes i'll ransom of 10 million pounds and people just laugh at
1: (laughs) it yeah it seems strange though thinking about cash strapped chelsea i
2: mean yeah um, i
1: know very strange isn't it a long time ago
0: they were probably still paying off winston bogart by that point weren't
1: they (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah
0: or was he
2: part of the roman revolution
1: i can't remember Uh,
0: i
2: think he was the start of it wasn't he
0: uh,
1: 2000 I think he went there
0: Yeah I mean they had SIE So they must have spent a fair bit, bit of money
1: Yeah alright well, that's a great way to kick us off uh, Who did you have at number 10 Chris?
2: Yeah my number 10 was West Brom Versus Man United Fergie's last game 2013 I, said, I spoke about this Briefly before I think So I'll be very again Just be as brief again but this was Fergie's last match as manager of Man United after 26 years in charge, and also his 1,500 game in charge of Man United. By this time, West Brom were in a fantastic eighth place in the Premiership under the guidance of Stevie Clark, and also from goals coming from a certain lonee from Chelsea called Roman Lakoku. I don't know if you've heard of him, but I think he's quite decent. The game was a bit of a dead rubber, um, and also, Man United were crowned champions by a comfortable 10 points from Man City at the time. What made this game even more of a surprise was that West Brom had just come back from three back to back defeats, including a 4 0 defeat the previous week against Norwich. So, Man United took a 3 0 lead and then a 5 2 lead, but ended up getting pegged back, back by West Brom. West Brom scored three goals in the last five minutes, which isn't very Man United esque. Uh, super sub Lukaku scored a hat trick off the bench, and the goal scorers for Man United were uh, Alexandra Butner, uh, Kagawa, and uh, Hernandez. Names that you would never really thought that Manu would have would have bought, but um, they got oh. the goals in that game. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, it's a memorable game, wasn't it? Definitely very eventful.
2: I had it at
0: number eight, and I was thinking, have I put that too low? But um, I, think, I think I've think i just put it in the right place.
2: Yeah. I, it was a dead I, rubber. It
0: was a great game, but there yeah. was nothing to play for.
2: Exactly. It's just no jeopardy, really, with it was there. And also, I remember watch, coming back from being out or something and, and seeing that score, and you sort of rubbed your eyes just to double check. Five all. Man United conceding five goals for a start. In three in the last five minutes it's just never heard of really is it no
1: it's a good one it's a good one it's I've actually put it on my list um, mainly because we've mentioned it before but yeah um, but no so that's a good pick now it's Dorrance and Lukaku unbelievable Sir Alex Ferguson has crashed because West Brama champion! something special, not the finish that Sir Alex Ferguson wanted, but one result will not ruin 26 and a half years, incredible work, he has written his name in lights across the English sky, he has touched the stars and they will talk about him for generations and generations, the final chapter in the history
0: of football's greatest manager has been written...
1: Uh, For my number 10, I've gone for the 2009-2010 season and Chelsea's final game of the season against Wigan, uh, where they won (laughs) 8-0. So they went into the game and uh, they were one point ahead of Man United. So they needed to win, to win the title. And then they wound up winning 8-0. So um, there was a goal after six minutes from Nicholas and Elka, which calmed the nerves. And then Gary Caldwell got sent off in the first half for Wigan. And it was it was plain sailing from there, really. But the main reason I put this on my list is because just imagine being a Chelsea fan where you, you're nervous about winning the title and then your team go and win at home 8-0 and you lift the trophy. That must just feel amazing.
2: No, no. Take, no to be honest, it's not on my list, but I can see why you put it on there. Um, with there being that that, je- that little bit of pressure that Man United had to, you know, if it's, it's a banana skin, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's a one-off game. Just look at what Wigan did in the FA Cup final.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? That's it. You never know what could happen and you have all that pressure and all those nerves and then you smash the mate nil and uh, that's, that's such an amazing way to win the trophy.
0: It was considered by myself, but uh, ultimately it didn't make the cut. That's a good pick, a very good pick.
1: Okay, so um, moving on to number nine now. What have you got for his I've gone for another Liverpool one. Um, <laughs> you they're, me. Not, they're, they're not all Liverpool, I promise you.
0: <laughs> it's actually another Liverpool defeat. It was the final day of the season, ninety-nine two thousand between Bradford and Liverpool. How's my oh. number seven?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> you know what? It's a late that was a late entry as well. So <laughs>
1: I almost made my list, but yeah, it was, a, it was a good game. Go on, Ant, tell us about yeah. it. So
0: once again, Liverpool were chasing Champions League spot and um, Bradford, who'd been written off by nearly everyone in their first ever season, um, had the chance to avoid relegation if they beat Liverpool in the final of the season. And that they did. Bradford uh, Bradford defender David Weatherall headed home the only goal of the game um, which sparked a pitch invasion from the delighted home supporters. Uh, and it also meant that Wimbledon were, were relegated after 14 seasons in the top flight. Yeah. And obviously Liverpool didn't get Champions League.
2: Yeah. so um, just a couple of other bits to add to that. Um, with five games to go, Bradford was six points behind uh, Wimbledon and 18th. But a run of three wins and a draw gave Bradford some hope and left them level on points. Before the last game of the season, coincidentally, like Ant mentioned, Le- Leeds were battling with Liverpool for this qualification for the Champions League. Uh, Watford and Chef Wednesday are already down, so it's between Bradford and Mimbledon for the final place. But it wasn't looking good because Bradford lost their last game um, before this one three 0 to Leicester. So obviously they they really had to roll up the sleeves and like. Um, and said, two veterans helped with the goal, Retherall and uh, Gunnar Haller, who no <laughs> doubt we'll mention later on in the, the pod, um, with a win. And Liverpool had a team with Heskey, Owen and Gerrard in as well, which was even more sort of miraculous, really. have uh, lost 2-0 away to Southampton and obviously Bradford stayed up and then Bradford continued to then spend millions that they never had, which we mentioned on another pod. <laughs> got themselves into a lot of debt whilst getting relegated.
1: Indeed. Yeah, that was a it was a memorable match, wasn't it? It was sort of like um, built as almost like an impossible dream that they could survive by beating Liverpool, yeah. the mighty Liverpool. And it was a big shock when they did win that game. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I think if you want to face anyone on the far of the season, Liverpool was the team you want to face because they they do like <laughs> they do like to keep them. Um, Teams from relegation. (laughs) Giving them a helping hand.
2: You can never say that. (laughs) I know that's two you mentioned straight off the bat, mate. Involving involving Liverpool. You had to think what else you're going to bring through.
1: How many more final Liverpool games of the season can you pick from, though? Uh, Not many. Not many.
2: (laughs) What happy ones or miserable ones for the fans?
0: (laughs) I've only got one happy ish one. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think I've got
1: one. Alan takes it. A weatherall free! Fantastic header! Bradford City lead Liverpool by one goal to nil. Uh, you won't see a better header today than that. It's a quite magnificent header from Wetherill. we on earth Liverpool's marking as a good door mark. But when the ball arrived up he had a bit to do and my gorgeous Anyway, we're still at number nine. So Chris, you had um uh, Chelsea.
2: Yeah, Chelsea Liverpool. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I'll give you my number nine. And it was this is the two thousand six, two thousand seven season. And this was the battle for the UEFA Cup qualifying spots between Reading, Portsmouth, Bolton and Tottenham. Okay. I'll try and set the scene. So there were um there were two spots available from those four teams to fight for. Yeah, Tottenham on fifty-seven points. Bolton on 55, Reading on 54, Portsmouth Outsiders on 53. So Tottenham knew that um, if they win, then they're in. And they, on the final, day faced Man City, and they're they in control early, and they beat Man City 2-1. So they were safe. So then the battle was for that final UEFA qualifying spot. And Bolton, they were only a point ahead of Reading, two points ahead of Portsmouth. And they had a negative goal difference as well, so a draw was very risky for them. Uh, Bolton's final game was against Aston Villa. Portsmouth's final game was against Arsenal, and Reading's final game was away at Blackburn. Now, the way it all panned out is: Reading, they um, they went to goal behind against Blackburn, then they equalised, then they went behind again, then they equalised, then they went behind again, then they equalised. <laughs> so <laughs> they're on the they're on the cusp of um, fighting back, but uh, it finished three all. Uh, Bolton, they uh, they were winning for most of the game, but then. They conceded an equaliser in the 81st minute to, to Villa, which saw the scores tied at two all. And Portsmouth played out a nil-nil draw at Arsenal. So Bolton actually they managed to hang on for that two-all draw. It was enough for them to qualify for the Cup spot. But all those teams drawing—if any one of them had scored a goal—they would have been in. So the tension in that last 10 minutes must have been pretty extreme for the fans.
2: And, and can I just say? With you talking about in nowadays terms, a UEFA Cup place between Spurs, Reading, Portsmouth, and bolton yeah. But where they all are now—it's just mad, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just just, just thinking—you know, not that far, you know, not even like what fifteen years ago—it's <laughs> just mad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: but yeah, it's yeah. that's, um, that's, that's a real sneaky a one. one there, Dan.
2: I, I like that one. Dan's done his research tonight, Chris. Yeah, he's, he's raised the bar for us right now. Shall we um, just call it quits now, or <laughs>
1: <laughs> No, I'm sure we're all going to converge in our top five or something like that. <laughs> Don't worry. He says. <laughs> so um, moving on to number eight. So have we done your number eight, Ant? Yeah, it was Westbrook Man United. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chris, what do you have at number eight? Yeah, sure. Mine is
2: Man United-West Ham 2007. I know we've spoken a lot about um, the yeah. Tevez-Mascarano uh, moving and so forth in other pods. But I just thought that this was just a uh,
1: quite a good one to put in. I've actually put this at number three on my list.
2: Really? Okay. I've oh, actually you... left off. You left it off. Yeah, I know you've spoken about this. I think both times we've, we've met. Yeah, I felt I felt like I've said enough yeah. about it. And <laughs> I think you I both thought... you mentioned it twice in two separate things. So uh, I knew you were probably going to leave it off. But okay, Um if I oh we'll have to leave it then, Dan, if it's a top three like we always do. So go on, then we'll leave that one.
1: So we're we're back to me for number eight. <laughs> <to> <laughs> So I've gone for the 2007-2008 season, and it's the Fulham Great Escape.
2: That was considered, um, but
1: I didn't add on to so mine. It's I not on my list. I think it's a special mention. So yeah, this was uh, Fulham. they had a pretty rocky road, um, but they they fought their way back into contention for survival. And they went into the final day with Derby already relegated. Uh, Fulham, Birmingham and Reading were separated by a point going into the final weekend. Uh, started the weekend with Fulham clear of the relegation places only on goal difference. Now, Reading's final game, they were up against already relegated Derby, and they um, they won 4-0. Um, Birmingham, in their final game, they played Blackburn, and they won 4-1. So all these, all these teams racking up the goals, it puts the pressure on. So Fulham knew that uh, their opponents were winning, and that they were facing the drop. But then, in the seventy-sixth minute, uh, Danny Murphy scored a, a header against Portsmouth, and that was enough for them to survive. And it had been a, like I say, it was a pretty, um, pretty epic run for them just to get into that position as well, and yeah. to come through that, uh, that pressure and get the win and survive. It was a, it was a good moment.
2: I remember uh, Danny Murphy speaking about that, and I think he was like, "I'm the smallest player on the pitch who's never <laughs> I've ever scored a header in the whole of my life." Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and he scored the most important header ever. I think he, I think him and Jimmy Bullard, if I'm right, were the real spearheads for their comeback. You know, to safety from um, getting relegated. But now I like that one, especially as the the odds were stacked against them. Really, weren't they?
1: Yeah. So, um, if Reading and um, Birmingham were relegated, if Reading had actually scored three more goals, they would have stayed up on goal difference. But um but seven nil's asking a lot. <laughs> but Derby were that bad that season.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you never know, you never know. Fulham <laughs> need to score to turn it all around their way again.
1: Bullards cross. Murphy header! Fulham take the lead in one of the biggest attacks of the season! The the story, the fact that Fulham have managed to do this. I mean, you know, we started off talking about winning three in a row. They've never done that in a penalty. But then you look at the stats away from home. The number of victories, four out of five, and where they were from Christmas onwards. All right, we're on to number seven now. What do you have, Ant? I'm taking it all the way back to 92-93 season. Oh, OK.
0: Oldham 4, Southampton 3.
2: Oof. Uh, that is my number six, mate. Oh God's sake! We're matching it up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm going to find on one. Li- If you got that on your list, um, I've, like... I've not, but I've, I've got a feeling that I might have. I might have missed a good one here. So go on, Em.
0: So uh, I've done a little bit of backstory for this one. Oh, um, so, <clears throat> so for Oldham to survive, um, three wins from their uh, final three matches were uh, required. And they also had to bank on Crystal Palace, gaining no more than one point from their final two matches. Uh, Oldham's first game of the final trio was away at second-place Aston Villa, who had to win to have any hope of winning the the, the, the title that year. Um, Oldham Oldham's Nick Henry scored the winner midway through the first half. It was a shock result, but one that gave hope to an unlikely escape and clinched uh, the first title for 27 years for Oldham's rivals, Man United. Anyway... Three days later, Liverpool came to Boundary Park and were beaten 3-2, whilst Crystal Palace managed to gain a draw at Manchester City. So now, for Oldham to survive, they would have to beat fellow strugglers Southampton at home and hope that Crystal Palace were defeated at Arsenal. Uh, Come the end of the season, uh, final of the season, sorry, um, having led 4-1 at one point, Oldham survived the late Southampton comeback to win 4-3, whilst Crystal Palace lost 3-0 at Arsenal. Meaning that um, the Eagles got relegated on goal difference, minus 13 versus Oldham's minus 11. So even if Palace had lost 1 0, they still would have got relegated on goals scored because Oldham, as I've spoken about before, scored 63 goals that season, whereas Palace only scored 48. Got anything to add, Chris?
2: Um, only that, um, as results were at the end of the season, Southampton were only one point above relegation themselves. So mm. it's quite an interesting finish, really. All I can say is that there were also Ipswich and Sheffield United in that um, rumbling for a possibility of getting relegated, but like Ant said, it was just really between them two and Oldham and was just on a bit of a hot run at the time, weren't they? Their run was just perfectly timed.
0: Yeah, although unfortunately they got relegated a year later.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. never to go back up. No. Well,
1: that's a good one, that is. That's a cracker. Alright, thanks very much for that. Uh, what number do you have that I want, it, Chris?
2: Uh, that was my number six.
1: Dreams can come true, and Oldham's just has. They will stay in the Premier League for another season after a 4-3 thriller of a win. Okay, what did you have at number seven?
2: Uh, mine was Bradford Liverpool, so... <laughs> okay.
1: I'm have having a bit of a quiet
2: time line. here. Hunt seems to be um, cop blocking me. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me.
1: <laughs> Football blocking me. I know you enjoy it, Chris, but that's a bit. Nice. <laughs> All right. Move on to my number seven, and it's the ninety-eight ninety-nine season with Man United. So this is the year they won the treble in the end. Did you consider yeah. this one, or is it just uh, too much of a foregone conclusion with Man United? I,
2: I thought it's a little bit more, bit too much of a foregone conclusion with the. Uh... Had the treble in mind, but I, I can understand why you put it on the list. To be honest, who were they playing? Was it Spurs?
1: Yeah, it was. So uh, yeah. I'll tell you the backstory. Then they um, they they had Arsenal just a point behind them going into the final game of the season, and like you say, Man United were playing Spurs, and they actually went to goal down to Spurs. So it was on, but uh, Manu fought back, and they they won two one thanks to goals either side of half time from Beckham and Andy Cole. So um, I put it in just for that drama on the final day, where you're losing, potentially losing the title, and then they, they fight back and win it. So just just the drama of that really is the reason I put it on. But then, like I said, it was the same season that they went on to also win the the FA Cup and the Champions League that year as well. So it's the start of something special. That's a good one. All right, we're on to number six then.
0: All right, Chris, let's see where you put this one. I'm sticking with 92-93 season, Middlesbrough 3, Norwich
2: 3. Oh, are you kidding me? No, only joking, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. I've not got that one either. Okay, Come on in.
0: Okay, so on the final day of the 93 uh, season, uh, Norwich had to go to Middlesbrough. Uh, And for Norwich, a place in the UEFA Cup first round was was up for grabs because they'd had an absolutely amazing season and even title contention until a few weeks prior to this. Um, They were battling for the top three with Aston Villa and Blackburn Rovers. Only two of the three teams could qualify for Europe. Middlesbrough uh, had already been relegated, so they didn't really have anything to play for other than pride. Anyway, uh, FN Okoku gave Norwich lead inside 14 minutes uh, before Willie Falconer pulled one back for Middlesbrough just full half-hour mark. Uh, it wasn't long into the second half when uh, Paul Wilkinson gave Middlesbrough the lead in the 64th minute. Around about the same time, Blackburn also went one up at home to Sheffield Wednesday. So this put Norwich down to fourth and out of contention for the, um, the UEFA Cup qualification. However, it didn't last long because Norwich scored in the 65th minute to equalise Effinococo again and put them back into the top three. Andy Johnson, not the bald one, uh, made it 3 2 to Norwich moments later. But then John Henry equalised for Borough in the 72nd minute. Norwich held on for an excruciating final 20 minutes of the game to draw 3 all and finish one point above Blackburn. Had the sides been level on points, Blackburn would have finished third with a significantly greater goal difference. And obviously, we all know that the following season, Norwich finished 12th in the league, but they went on to um, have some unforgettable wins in the UEFA Cup against, uh, mainly by
1: Munich, and they were eventually knocked out by Inter Milan. Yeah, there we go. That's a good pick, that is. I didn't realise there's so much drama attached to that game on the final day. No, no, that's
2: Um, a a sneaky one there.
1: I'm well done with that. I like to sneak one in every now and then. Yeah. Okay, and uh, Chris, I can't keep up with all these ones we've had of your list already. So, who's your number six? (laughs) Yeah, mine
2: was Oldham Southampton. So, on to you, mate.
1: (laughs) Thanks. All right, my number six, uh, I've gone for the 95 96 season. um, It's the Man City game against Liverpool.
2: That's my number five.
1: (laughs) Oh, I've got that at number three. All right, we'll go we'll, we'll go back to it when we get to the number 3s. But Chris yeah. you're talking about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's fine. I'm happy with that.
1: All right. So um we'll go on to number 5 then. Who have you got ant?
0: Liverpool 2 Blackburn 1 9495.
1: That's four. my number 5. What's that Chris? Number 4. All right, you can talk about this one. Yeah, then, so. you can, you can this one. <laughs> I'll talk
2: about this one because I feel like I'm just um, being piggybacked tonight.
1: Listeners want to hear what you've got to say, Chris.
2: <laughs> so a bit of backstory. With four games to go, Blackburn were leading Man United by six points. Coming into the last game of the season, the lead was cooked down to two points. Uh, Blackburn had a difficult trip to Anfield. and man U were away to West Ham who had nothing to, to play for, so the pressure was really on. That man took the lead when uh, Stuart Whittingham set up Alan Shearer to score. Barnes equalised with a well placed effort. And then, with two minutes remaining, Shearer had a golden opportunity to put Blackburn ahead, but unfortunately, skied it. However, there's a twist in the tale when Jamie Redknapp scored a free kick in the last minute. It was a bit bitter, um, but obviously, over at Man United, they were drawing one all with West Ham at the time. Uh, with West Ham's absolute heroics from uh, the keeper, Ludic McGlosco, as well as their defenders that were literally flinging themselves at the ball. If you ever see any footage of the last 10 minutes, I think you will see that. And obviously Andy Cole missing a few golden opportunities, which led to a lot of the fans um, getting on his back a little bit. But anyway, it's a bit bitters- bittersweet because uh, Kenny Dalglish, an Anfield hero <laughs> um, and also at the time Blackburn manager, uh, got pats on the back randomly from Liverpool fans <laughs> to celebrate him winning the league uh, and also gave uh, Blackburn their first championship. So that's really all I've got on that, really. Yeah. Um, Amazingly, though, like I said, the performance by Ludic McGloscoe for West Ham sort of stole the show a little bit as well. I don't know if you've got anything else to add there, guys. I just uh, but... wonder what would have happened had
0: Man United had won the league that year. What would have happened to Redknapp? I reckon he might have been shot dead in the middle of the
2: pitch, by Liverpool fans... Well, yeah, I mean, it was a. It was one of the most tainted sort of goals, wasn't it? No one sort to of celebrated no, it. Mean. <laughs> I don't think he even...
1: It's like, Liverpool have scored. Oh, shit,
2: run. they might have handed the title to the rivals. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I've, I've got a couple of bits on this. Um, I saw an interview with uh, Blackburn player Mark Atkins, and he, he confessed that he hadn't been sleeping well for a couple of weeks leading up to the end of the season because they felt he, he and, the, and the whole squad was feeling the pressure so much mm. and they, they really did begin to buckle under the pressure yeah. um, and then also for that game uh, Dalgleish decided to try and sort of break their routine a little bit and he checked them into a different hotel and um, for that Liverpool game and it only unnerved the players even further um, before the game as well Dalgleish told all the players to go out and have a couple of pints to help okay. with the nerves right. And um, there were players on the bench that were like desperate to go to the toilet all the way through the game. as well. <laughs> so it didn't really help the nerves. All I mean,
2: an- another thing that I found really <laughs> strange was, I don't
1: know if you, you saw,
2: but um, he left out Chris Sutton as well. He played Mike Newell, which I thought was an odd, an odd choice. But I guess it might have been that Sutton might have been injured or carrying a knock or something. But you would have thought with that partnership, they would have had that going to Anfield, going sort of all out, can
1: plays him really? Maybe, don't know. Because Newton no, New had no. a good season as well, quietly. That, that year. Yeah. Uh, I've got another quote from Colin Hendry as well that um, he said that when the team went 1 0, when it was at 1 0, they didn't know whether to hang on or to push forward for a second. And um, that was again all the nerves and the pressure getting to them, caused that uncertainty and fundamentally what they want to be doing during the game. And then they obviously they went behind. So, yeah, it's just just a case of the amount of nerves and pressure that was felt on that final day of the season and all the drama that unfolded because of it.
2: Yeah. I just still can't believe, like I just mentioned, that how well West Ham defended at the end. It was just sort of like for a team that were playing for nothing. They were just flinging players left, right and centre at the ball in that game. Unbelievable. <laughs> like it was them fighting for relegation or something it's great to see
1: (laughs) okay so that was um, that was our number five wasn't it
0: yeah
1: yeah injury time at Anfield the police are all out the stewards are all out the jury's still out in the championship race oh my god it's in and it's a fantastic goal for Liverpool Now even Kenny doesn't know, the man who knows everything about football. Magnificent from Jamie Redknapp. Tim Flowers couldn't keep it out, what a goal. The news is coming in from Upton Park. And what happens here will not matter. Because Manchester United could not win. They have drawn at West Ham. And I've never seen a manager happier when his team has just conceded a goal. Kenny Dalglish has led Blackburn to the championship. Okay, who do you have at number five, Chris?
2: I had Man City, Liverpool, nineteen ninety-six. You know the one that you had. I think it was one one of your top threes.
0: It's my, my number three, yeah.
1: Number three. Okay. So that was that Kenny Dalglish with uh, first title. That was my number five as well. So I think we're on to number four now.
0: Uh, I've gone. West Brom's Great Escape in o four o five. Yeah, snap again. I've
2: gone then. now my number
0: three. Oh God. <laughs> I've not written a, a great deal, um, so chip, feel free to chip in. So Southampton, West, uh, sorry Southampton, West Brom, Palace, and Norwich all battling for survival and final of the season. Southampton scored early um, as Norwich self-destructed at Fulham, which they eventually lost six 0 uh, Palace went behind against Charlton, uh, which put West Brom bottom at half-time. And then a second-half injury to Greening forced Robson into one of the greatest subs of Baggy's history as Jeff Horsfield scored with his first touch. And West Brom were out of the relegation zone for the first time um, as two Manchester United goals had plummeted Southampton back into the abyss. However, a quick fire Doogie Freeman and Andy Johnson, the bald one this time, uh, double for Palace, plumped the Eagles to 17th um, and then Kieran Richardson added uh, a second amid muted celebrations at Hawthorns. Yet at 4.41pm news filtered through of a late Charlton equaliser and West Brom rocketed back to 17th and then the full-time whistle blew and you know the, the, the great escape was complete and they became the first team to be bottom at Christmas and survive the drop. Yeah, you've
1: covered that really well. Yeah, yeah.
2: I've got a couple of little bit stats to add on to that. But like you said, West Ham were bottom by Christmas with 10 games to go. They only won two games. we eight points away from safety. Um, and then I actually got that. They then brought in Kieran Richardson, I think, in January. And he seemed to have turned around West Brom's fortunes, incredibly. And ex bricklayer, they always used to say that with Jeff Horsfield. They always used to say, and the ex bricklayer, Jeff Horsfield, has just scored a goal. Um, Like you said, scored the first one. And the equalizer was John Fortune. And it was very fortunous for um, West Brom. Surprised I (laughs) didn't use that pun. Not that surprised. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's all I got really for that. You about hit it on the nose there, mate.
1: The thing I always, remember, obviously, the the Great Escape and the Pitch Invasion, but the other thing that just sticks in my mind is that Norwich—they need to survive in the final day—and they lose six nil. Yeah. <laughs> How does that happen?
2: Absolutely dropped tools. Absolutely didn't they? When two, you know, I think Papadopoulos made it two 0 and they just dropped.
1: They just lost it. Crazy. Madness, isn't it? Alright, so that was Ant's number four. That's my number four. What was your number four, Chris? Uh, My number four was uh, Liverpool
2: Blackburn.
1: Greening thinks they've done enough. The chairs have gone around the Hawthorns. The news has come through. Brian Robson's baggies are staying in the Barclays premiership. Bottom of the table at the start of today. Bottom of the table at Christmas. The curse is over. West Bromwich Albion supporters pour onto the pitch. So we're into the, into the top three then. So, Ant, what is your top uh, Man University. City, Liverpool, 95-96. Oh, yeah. Go on,
0: Chris. I'll
2: let you have this. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so at that time, Liverpool were comfortably in third before they turned up at Main Road. However, Man City were in the bottom three on 38 points with Coventry, Southampton as well, but had a worse goals difference. So, but uh, Man City came into good form winning the last two games. However, that was matched actually by Coventry and Southampton that did exactly the same. Liverpool surged into a 2-0 lead at half-time, which was levelled at 2-0. However, the manager, Alan Ball, at the time of Man City, thought that that was enough, as he was under the impression Coventry weren't weren't winning at the time. Um, Ball asked his players to time waste around the corner flag, but took um, the sub at the time, Niall Quinn, to race down the touchline to tell teammates that the information that that Coventry were actually losing, was actually incorrect. Um, So Man City ended up drawing the game to all, and Coventry and Southampton both drew, which actually sent Man City into relegation. So a bit of miscommunication basically cost Man City their Premier League life. It's just unbelievable, isn't it, how that miscommunication came about?
0: I just can't believe that a football manager took the word of a fan that... Yeah. Was it off know, a fan as well? It was oh, yeah. on the fans, apparently, by the dugout. I was like, oh, yeah, Southampton are losing or Coventry, wherever it
2: was. Coventry and he's gone, oh, OK, right.
0: Get, get in the corner flag, lads. You know, But you would just go, you'd just
2: go for the jugular, wouldn't you? you just make sure of the job, you know. you just come back from 2-0. You've got all the all the things on your side, isn't it? You know, you got the fans on your side, just... Go for the juggler,
0: go for the three two. <laughs> there was um there was a quote I found from Steve Lomas. Um and he said that he said that obviously Alan Ball told him to take the ball into the corner flag. And if it wasn't so serious there was great comic value in seeing Big Nar Quinn running half dressed down the touchline and say a draw wasn't enough. It's the quickest I'd ever seen him run. And he <laughs> told us we needed to win.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it beggars belief because um the other two teams, Southampton and Coventry, Southampton ended up drawing nil nil with Wimbledon and Coventry drew nil nil with Leeds. So this information that someone was losing was just ridiculous. That that will never happen again in the Premier League. Right. No. No, no.
0: no, not in this day and age, smartphones. No. no.
1: Yeah. Smart in the
0: nineties you still had the radio. I know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: But like I no, said, I actually believe what re- a fan said. It's just like... It's really probably it's a Southampton awesome. fan planted uh, yeah, at Man yeah. of the game. <laughs> oh, no, they're no. losing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're safe.
2: <laughs> OK, I believe you then, mate. Thanks <laughs> for that.
1: Oh, imagine how the Man City fans felt about this afterwards as well.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it got worse from last- the following season because so they got relegated again thanks to a Comic own goal. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Those are the days
2: Now, <laughs> <in>. <laughs> Niall, can you uh, sum up how uh, the City players are just feeling at the moment?
1: Well, I mean, it's just like a cloud has come over the club um,
2: It'll take a lot to get uh, anything back at this club I mean, it's it's terrible in there at the moment I mean, just as I said to one or two people already I mean, when you, when you start your football career nobody ever prepares you for a day like this and um, all, all the great
1: times I've had in football, even going back to being accepted in big clubs and you go on trials and, and you, you think you, you're out on the road to what's the greatest thing in life. And um, a day like today comes along and, and it's just unexplainable. No, no one ever told me to be a day like today. All right. So that was your number three, And. Um, yep. Chris, what, was, what did you have a number three for us? Uh,
2: number three I had was uh, West Brom Portsmouth, The Great Escape.
1: OK. All right. We'll move on to my number three, and that was the, uh, the West Ham-Man United game. Yeah. The, uh, the Carlos Tevez game. So that was from the 2006-2007 season. Uh, they started out with Watford and Charlton already relegated. Sheffield United were outside the drop zone above West Ham on goal difference, and they were three points clear of Wigan. Now, Man United, having already won the league, uh, they actually didn't put out the strongest team And they lost 1-0 at home to West Ham on the final day, with uh, Tevez's goal obviously famously helping the Hammers survive. But meanwhile, at Sheffield United, uh, they went head-to-head with Wigan for this last relegation spot. And as it turned out, um, Sheffield United only needed a point for survival, but um, Wigan went in front with a Paul Sharner goal before Johnstead equalised for Sheffield United on the stroke of half-time, uh, Phil Jagielka handled in the box, and then a former Sheffield United player, David Unsworth, scored from the penalty spot. So Sheffield United found themselves behind and facing the drop, but they still had half the game to go to try and rectify it. Um, however, on the on the 50-minute mark, um, Emil Heskey came close to another goal for Wigan when he nearly scored with an overhead kick. Thought I'd mention that one because I wow, didn't quite that... believe it.
2: <laughs> I want to see footage of that, please. <laughs>
1: uh, Sheffield United um, almost levelled when Danny Weber chipped Michael Pollitt, and the ball came back off the post. Uh, Wigan were then reduced to ten men when Lee McCulloch was sent off with 16 minutes remaining. Um, despite waves of pressure from Sheffield United, who dominated the second half, they just couldn't find that. Equalising goal, and it cost them relegation. So there's there's another side to that day, apart from the uh, the Tevez uh, ongoing, yeah. uh There's also a, a, well an incredible game there between Sheffield United and Wigan going head to head for survival. Yeah, yeah. and then the bitter legal dispute we've we've talked about before, and um, yeah. yeah, that rolled on for a while. But I think that um, at the end of the day, Sheffield United did also have it in their own hands to survive, and people forget. Well,
2: like. well, yeah, they did, and they just. The ball's up, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, I've got here um, West Ham were sem, uh, in 17th place, three points above Wigham. Um Yeah, with 10 days' games to go, they were 10 points away from safety, West Ham were. a six wins in eight games, gave West Ham a real cha- chance as well. Incredible run, really. But yeah. Obviously, that was due, majorly due to the addition, I think, of Tevez and Mascarano. And with regards to the Man U game, um, they actually had 30 shots on target. I mean, 30 shots, Man United did, to to only eight from West Ham. And I think two of them for West Ham were on target. So 50% um, finishing rate, very good. But it just shows how much of a bit of a snatch and grab it was a little bit. And obviously to go to Man United anyway would be a, a real sort of difficult place to go to, even if it is against a part reserve team, so you have to really pop your hat out for that. But like I said, I didn't really know that what a game it was between Wigan and Sheffield United to yeah. even give them a bit of a chance.
1: <laughs> yeah, incredible. So yeah, that's why I, I put it in my top three. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, that takes us on to the number two then. What have you got for his aunt? Oh...
0: Uh... Oh, I've been so on the fence about my one and two, believe it or not. Oh, okay. But I'm gonna to have to stick with it with with an order that I did on the uh, Comebacks podcast a few a few weeks ago. Uh, so I was contradict myself. So my number two, I've gone with the Everton versus Wimbledon, ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, right right. Not. I read about him all this time, and I thought, oh, shall I put that number one? And I thought, no, I better not. <laughs>
1: i think we're all going to the same place (laughs) yeah yeah
0: so um i'll i'll start it and then you guys can add in any bits if that's all right yeah it
1: sounds like you've done your research so yeah go for it
0: well i've I've basically found a a matter of the day-esque website which lists exactly what happened at what time
1: nice oh Oh, brilliant
0: so bear with me so start of the day, there were five teams all threatened with relegation. Uh, Southampton, Sheffield United, Ipswich, Everton and Oldham in that order. And then Swindon were bottom of the league. So Everton kicked off and within four minutes, they were 1-0 down to Wimbledon. And then after 11 minutes, West Ham uh, were 1-0 up against Southampton. So it was still Southampton and Everton. That, so it was Everton and Oldham that occupied the final two spots. 14 minutes in Norwich were losing to Oldham um, but that wasn't gonna, that wasn't helping Oldham at the time and then 20 minutes in Everton found some 2-0 down to Wimbledon which pretty much sealed their fate however 24 minutes gone Everton then pulled one back thanks to a Graham Stewart penalty and then Sheffield United took the lead against uh, away at Chelsea and 29, 29 minutes gone and if they could hold on to this lead then they were safe and even with uh, results going the way that they were, a draw would have been enough. And then 45 minutes, uh, West Ham, uh, Southampton equalised at West Ham, which took them out of relegation. So at half time, uh, it was Oldham and Everton going down uh, with Swindon. And Southampton in the second half then went two run up against West Ham, pretty much straight away. They were more or less safe. And then at 58 minutes of, of the day, Chelsea then equalised against Sheffield United. As it stood, they were still safe. Um, and it was still Oldham and Everton going down with Swindon. Uh, Sheffield United then went 2-1 up at Chelsea, thanks to Glyn Hodges. West Ham then equalised against Southampton on 62 minutes. So it was currently still Oldham and Everton going down with Swindon. Southampton then went 3-2 up, meaning they were pretty much safe by this point. And then finally, Everton got their equaliser, thanks to that. Barry Horn, thirty-five yards, bobble off his shin. This made Ipswich get a bit get a bit nervous because they were now hovering around the uh, around the spots. One more goal for Everton was in Ipswich down. Uh, come seventy-two minutes, Norwich equalised against Oldham, which pretty much sealed their fate. They were now twenty-first and needed a mountain to climb. And Seventy-six minutes gone, Chelsea equalised against Sheffield United, um, but Sheffield United were still safe with all the other results. Uh, going the way they were and then the big one on 81 minutes of that day Everton completed their comeback thanks to a a Graham Stewart goal and it was the one that Hans Sagers uh, in in the Wimbledon goal nearly got accused of match fixing because he dived so slowly to get
2: it
0: (laughs) it had taken 81 minutes that day but Everton were finally out of the bottom three and it meant that Ipswich um, and Oldham were going to join Swindon in the second tier of football and 89 minutes, West Ham uh, got another goal against Southampton. This made it 3-0, but Southampton were more or less safe by this point. And then bang on 90 minutes, up popped Chelsea against Sheffield United as they took the lead 3-2. It was Mark Stein again for his second of the day. And for the first time that day, Sheffield United found themselves in the relegation zone. And uh, that's how it stayed. Sheffield United and Oldham joined uh, Swindon in the in the first division. And I don't think Jeff
2: Stelling has got to worry about his job anytime soon.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have an incredible uh, day. 90 minutes of football that was, wasn't it? I remember that. I, I remember watching that on Football Focus or something.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Just You can't get any more drama than that. Just that that 90th minute goal from Chelsea coming out of nowhere, sending Sheffield United down. It's so, just yeah. so hard for them to take, isn't it?
0: Especially yeah. after you know, Everton come back from 2-0 down. Yeah. yeah.
1: It can must I tell be you horrible being,
0: not being in the bottom three all, all day and the 90th yeah. minute you get flung into it. I don't think I can add anything on to that. I don't
1: know about you, Dan. <laughs> no, you covered it brilliantly with that article that you found.
0: <laughs> it only I, I, it's, it's this website, I, don't, I think it's Tailor Two Halves it's called, so I'll give it some credit. Um, it only seems to cover that day. I tried to find other final days on it and they haven't written any, which is a shame. Must have been Everton fans.
1: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, that's cracking, that. Brilliant. Thanks no, for that.
2: Having... No, thanks for that,
1: uh, Well done. Goes inside this time. Stewart. Cotty came quickly to him. Stewart! Yes! Yes! For Everton! They can see salvation! Astonishing scenes of celebration here. And Graham Stewart, who has hardly set the club alight since his move from Chelsea, has really come good. OK, so I think we've, we've all got that number two, have we?
2: Yeah, we sure have.
1: All right, so we're on to the number ones. Uh, Chris, I'll go to you first. What have you got? Man City
2: QPR. Yes.
1: Yeah, snap. Yes. I've got lasagna
0: Gate, no
2: one else got that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got Man City. Yeah.
2: I, it's just iconic, isn't it? Just a you know, one of the greatest moments in the Premier League history, wasn't it, that last last minute or the ninety fourth minute as it was? Yeah. I, do you want me to, to speak a bit about it first, Dan?
1: And then Yeah, go on. I I've not I've not um It's one of those where it speaks for itself to an extent, but yeah, Yeah. just give us what you got, Chris, if you can. Yeah,
2: it's not too much to be honest. Um, So before this match, Man City and Man United were locked at the top of the league, level on points, but Man City had a greater goal difference. Obviously, it's a bit of double jeopardy because QPR at that point were 17th, just above relegation, two points above Bolton, who were 18th. QPR beat Stoke at home the week before to ease their relegation fears 1-0. Man United had Sunderland away and Baltimore away at at Stoke, so the seam was set. Uh, After, uh, I think it was coming on to 40-odd minutes, Sabaleta put Man City 1-0 up at at half-time, with Manchester United winning at half-time as well. Baltimore winning 1-0 at Stoke so at this point, QPR were going down. Then a Julian Lescott mistake set up, dribble C to equalise. Joey Barton then got sent off basically for attacking half of the Man City team. <laughs> uh, then uh, Jamie Mackey put 10 men uh, QPR 2 1 up after fantastic cross by uh, Torre. Djeko um, then equalised with a header off a corner to make it 2 and that was on the 91st minute. Somehow uh, Man U's game uh, finished slightly earlier, and they, were, they won 1-0. And at that time, they were quietly sort of celebrating on the pitch at the time, um, whilst obviously keeping an eager eye on what Man City were doing. Then on the 94th minute, Aguero gets the ball just outside the box, passes it to Balatelli, who had about three men on him, and he somehow manages to do a 1-2 with Aguero around the three players. Aguero skips past one and then plants it in, which then uh, sends Man City into absolute raptures. And obviously Martin Tyler going, Aguero! <laughs> which we'll never, ever forget. Nope. Um, yeah, and that that ended up Man City winning the title. Uh, they only conceded twenty nine goals all season, and even if Q, um, uh, with the loss, QPR stayed up as Bolton could only draw with Stoke that day. So that's all I've got really for that.
1: No, nope. giving it, it well. Uh, is
2: only uh, assist. Oh, that's like the only thing I had left. To say about it. <laughs> <laughs> Meet you to it, mate. Meet you to it. <laughs> so what have you got there, Dan? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I literally didn't write anything for this because I, I covered it in another podcast.
1: So I thought yeah. Yeah, i mean, I'd talk yeah. about it.
2: <laughs> Anything else to add there, Dan?
1: No, no. You've covered the facts. I mean, that that's enough, isn't it? That's enough. Yeah. The drama of that, the, the final few minutes of that game with so much on the line. Yeah. It'll just never be forgotten by anyone. It's, of which,
2: it's is one of It's one of those moments where you sort of almost know where you were at the time I remember I was watching it with, with my flatmate and we were sort of a bit devastated at the time that Man United were going to win another title and just mm-hmm. seeing you know the whole split screen and you can almost see them almost getting ready to celebrate any minute and then the actual absolute heartbreak when obviously that goal goes in and seeing Man new players just like I couldn't believe it it's,
1: yeah, and just to remind people, at, at the time, um, I think everyone wanted Man City to win that game yeah. and get another name on the trophy. Yeah. Um, Maybe you didn't, Ann. You, don't <laughs> you seem no, to hate No, them. I, think, I think I
0: did because I didn't want Man United to win another one.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, I, th- I think the, um, most people across the country, they had eyes on the game for that reason. There was a lot yeah. of willing for Man City to come through and to do it in such dramatic fashion. That's why it was such a memorable moment in football. Incredible. And it's
2: the way, it's, if you look at the goal, the way Guerrero took it as well, I mean, he still had a bit of work to do to get. Oh, him. yeah. I mean, if you want to be critique it too much, I mean, I don't know what the, the defender was doing, slide tackling, <laughs> and he was n- nowhere going to not go anywhere near him, but he still skipped past him and still finished with great aplomb, didn't he, really?
1: Yeah, the, it was cracking. The acceleration and quickly got the shot off, didn't he? Busted yeah, him, fantastic. Yeah. Manchester City are still alive here Balotelli, Aguero Well, I think, um, yeah, like I said, we've all converged towards the end. I knew we would. But um, <laughs> no, pulled out some crackers as well there, lads. Well done. Any special mentions? Um, yeah, I've got a couple. Um,
2: my what first, I've got two. Um, the first one I actually had was uh, Leicester losing to Man United last year. That was obviously for the last Champions League spot. 2-0 defeat. And I actually had one, which is a bit of a cheeky one, which I didn't add on to the list, but it was pre-Premier League and it was Michael Thomas for um, Arsenal against Liverpool in
0: 1989. No, not don't count. Don't count. No, do not count. <laughs> Null and
2: void. <laughs> I bet you Liverpool wish it was Null and void, though.
0: <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself even bringing that up, Chris. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but you really get into this pre nineteen ninety two football. Well, I
2: remember it. I remember having an interview with someone about it, and I thought I'd look into that. And I thought, wow, that was an incredible game, really.
1: Yeah, it, it was. But yeah. But yeah, obviously, it didn't Not count. eligible.
2: Eligible. Uh, did you have anything else? That was all of mine, mate. To be honest,
1: and
0: uh, I only had Fulham Great Escape
2: and
1: Chelsea versus Wigan. Um, I noted. Um, Middlesbrough 8, Man City 1. Oh, I forgot about that
2: oh, one. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: Micah Richards' favourite game.
2: Oh,
1: that was Alfonso Alves's only <laughs> goal he scored,
2: wasn't it, in that game?
1: And uh, another one I mentioned was um, already relegated Newcastle, reduced to 10 men and beating second place Tottenham 5 1 in the 2015 <laughs> yes. 16 season.
2: That was yeah. bizarre. And also, Lasagna Gate. I'm not going to mention it twice in
1: the teeth. (laughs) Uh, All right, what have we got on social media, Chris?
2: Yeah, Um, so again, uh, Alex from the Scoreless Thriller, he put West Brom Great Escape, of course, on our list. Um, Chris uh, Stonag put Aguero, of course. Um, Alex from um, the Stearno pod put watching uh, Man City's first Premier League title with myself jumping up and down as it was such an amazing game. Exactly. Uh, Stu from the Stu and Al Pop put, best last game would be Aguero. Um, you never see that again, plus the disappointment of the Man United players' faces was priceless. Uh, then Roddy McCain put, um, 1999, when um, the little um, when they won the treble. Hackney Bridge, Harry, um, Obviously, like I said, he was a two and Mimicham man. So I asked him whether he had any heartbreak during his, you know, in the non-league days with them. And he said, he has actually given me a bit of a story. So I'll just read it to you.
1: All right, go on.
2: He's, uh, we played away at Met Police at the end of the 2017-18 season. We had to win or draw to stay up. Lots of te- um, terriers in the crowd cheering on our heroes. A chance to perform one of the greatest escapes. We went one nil down after 43 seconds and got relegated. <laughs> I still need counselling. That's brilliant. <laughs> I said to him, I actually replied back to him and said, the way you built that up, mate, it was almost like you are going to stay up. Yeah, <laughs> it was on. all written in the stars like the greatest escape, but unfortunately it wasn't. Is. Um, on. That's
1: excellent foreshadowing.
2: <laughs> it was, wasn't it? I thought it was great. And I've got another couple more. Uh, and that is um, Barstaller's PL podcast. They put best um, last game of the season was Fergie's last game, 5 all against Westboro. Yeah. And chill. finally, um, we've got um, our mate at 80s and 90s football. He's given us three. So I'll go with the first, number three. That was Everton versus Wimbledon. Number two, Oldham versus Southampton, 92-93, the great escape 4-3 match. And obviously the last one, like ourselves, Man City versus QPR. Three great games there. And then, um, again, he's he's mentioned the uh, Liverpool-Arsenal 89 game, but obviously none avoided it. So I won't comment on
1: that anymore. Great collection of games we've picked out there. It's good work. Do you want to give the socials out if people want to get in touch?
2: Yeah. Yeah, sure. So our Twitter handle is VAR at the bar one. You can email us at VAR at the bar 2020 at gmail.com. And you can actually still also find us on Facebook at VAR at the bar. Uh, Yeah, so any questions or any lists that you want putting on, just give us a shout and we'll get cracking with them. Or if you've got any disagreements to thinking to anything that we say, then please put in what you you would like to have put in on your own top five or top ten.
1: Yep, definitely. Get in touch. All right, we're moving on to fantasy football. So I'll look at the top of the league first. The top of the league. We've actually had a change.
2: Ooh, now,
1: Altiab Hamid, who's uh, top with two thousand one hundred twenty-nine points, Clerk de Cruz is in second place now on two thousand one hundred fifteen. So a slender fourteen-point difference. Ooh. It's all to play for, right to the end. It's yes, by lots of things. Yep. Yeah. And then between the three of us, Ants is in thirteenth place, one thousand nine hundred ten points. So you're doing pretty well there, still going. Chris, you're in 21st place, had a bit Ooh, of a that,
2: resurgence. That top 20 place, I can hear it calling me.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you had a good run. You played your triple captain, didn't you?
2: It was, it was Mr. Mohamed Salah as well. And I also noticed that Ant didn't change his team for one week.
1: No, oh. I know. You pulled oh, it he, oh. that is that complacence or arrogance?
0: No, that was uh, forgetfulness. <laughs> <You> <laughs> I
1: still
0: managed 40 about,
2: points, though.
0: I realised still... about half seven on Friday, and it was too late for the Friday night kick-off. I thought, like, damn oh, it! No. So I think I had Kane and Son as my captains and vice captains. that yeah, weekend. That was, that weekend. Oh, that that
1: was
2: the uh, League Cup final. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well.
1: All right, and then, um, yeah, I'm I'm lagging behind 27th place on. 1,756 points, 28 points behind Chris. So, yeah, not looking too good for me. But we'll see. This I noticed uh, purely intentional. This this game week, um, 10 of my players have got two games. Ooh. It wasn't intentional. So, it was UA, this is
2: lucky. the last minute. So, <laughs> how many points are you behind, Dan? About 100. Here we go. <laughs> Same as last year. <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: doing a bit of a Leicester. I'm having a bit of a end-of-season wobble. I've got 150 points to make up to catch Ant. I don't think that's going to happen. I've played no, all my cards. You never know. <laughs> no chance. Uh, right. The, the highest score this week goes to your best mate, and Adam Gerlin. Hey.
2: Again.
1: Coughing all over the world. I know.
0: He's gone above me. I'm not happy. <laughs>
1: So he got seventy-one points last week. I'll go through his uh his high point scorers. He had Dunk in defense, got eight points, Cancelo, clean sheet with six, denia seven points, Gareth Bale, twenty-one points. What a week to have him in your team. Uh Son, twelve points. Uh Ian Atchett, five points. And he had Kane as his captain, only got him four points. So he uh he could have done even better, really. So yeah. I can't believe
0: looking. that. Spurs <laughs> scored four goals and Kane didn't get involved in any of them. I <laughs> know. You'd put money on that, wouldn't
1: you? So, the little that's left is the quiz. Ant and Chris go head-to-head tonight. Uh, scores on the doors. Uh, I'm in front with 10. Ant, you've run eight wins. And Chris, you're on four. So you can uh, okay. close the gap a bit tonight, Chris. Or aren't you can pull to within one win of myself? It's all to play for. Right, fingers on the buzzers. Question one. Who did Arsene Wenger replace as Arsenal manager in nineteen ninety-six? Bruce be free. Oh damn it. Chris was there first. Question two. Which former England striker currently plays for Hokkaido? Considore Sapporo and is in his seventh season in Japanese football.
0: Former England striker.
1: Darius Fussell? No. Michael Ricketts? No. I'll give you a clue. He only got one cap for England. David Nugent? No. Good guess, but no. Yeah. Um, Jeffers? No. James Beattie? No.
2: Jay Boothroyd? Correct.
1: Oh. Um. <laughs> Has he got oh, a that's... cap for England? when he was at Cardiff, he got cap for England. He's half decent, uh, I must admit. But, I would have um, been here all night. I wouldn't have got him. <laughs> fair enough he's actually got a pretty good goal scoring record in Japan but he's um he's on the bench more these days because he's pushing 40 god feel <laughs> <a little> old <laughs> alright so Chris 2-0 up uh, question 3 who were the first British team to win a European trophy Celtic nope Forest nope Dundee. No. Aberdeen. No. Villa. No. Arsenal. No. Not Liverpool. No.
2: It's Wolves.
1: No. Good guess, but no. Tottenham. It was Tottenham. What, uh, when do they, they win a
2: cup? No, you're lying to me. They never
1: <laughs> I couldn't tell
2: you
0: which cup it was,
2: but
1: <laughs> they won the Cup Winners' Cup in
2: 1963. Oh, no, that don't count. Oh, okay,
1: fair enough. All right, we're on to a gamble question. Three.
2: get your pen and paper out, boys.
1: <laughs> uh, maybe we'll see. So it's um, how many? Of the eight clubs managed by Jose Mourinho, can you name? All right, Chris, I'm going to come to you first for your opening bid, please.
2: I'll go with four to start off, things.
1: think. Well, all right, any advance? Uh, yeah,
2: I can
1: do five. All right, Chris?
2: Uh, go on then. I'll do six.
1: Okay, now... And you've got the difficult choice to make. Can you get seven? <laughs> or are you gonna make Chris name the six? <clears throat> I'll go seven. Chris, can you name all eight? am <laughs>
2: have to go go with you your seven and I can't think of any more. Six. I've got one, but I'm not hundred percent with. So I leave it All up right. to you, Spy.
1: No, that's a that's a fair shout. So, ants, when you're ready. Chelsea. Yep. yep. Spurs. Yep.
0: Man United. Yep. Um, Real Madrid. Yep. Inter Milan. Auto. Yep,
1: you've got six. One to go. Oh, I hope I got this right. Is it Benfica? That is correct. Oh, well done. Well done, Ant. So yeah, he took over as Benfica in uh, 2000. That was his first managerial role. And then he uh, he went on to Unial Delira.
2: Yeah, oh, no, got that, I got right.
1: that. <laughs> so I, I didn't expect either of you to get that one, to be honest. I didn't know that one either. But uh, no, you did oh, use okay. very long to get seven out well
2: Really wrap my brains then. Did not know whether you're going to be called and say Roma? No,
1: no, no. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't. know if you're going to count Roma or not. I, I, w- I wouldn't have penalised anyone for that. All right, I've got another gamble question. Uh, this, this one's a bit more testing. Oh, god. Okay. <laughs> World Cup tournaments have been hosted in 16 different countries over the years. How many can you name? So we've done a few podcasts in recent weeks where we've uh, we've touched on World Cups.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: You might, might be a good time to throw this one at you.
2: I thought so. Thanks, mate. <laughs>
1: I'm going to come to Ant first for his opening bid. Oh, do you
0: have to. Um, I'll go five. Okay, five. I'll
2: go six.
1: Uh, seven. Uh, I'll go eight. Ooh, bidding's uh, getting high fast.
0: Uh, I'll give nine a crack. I'll try ten.
1: Chris is confident. Look at him go. I'll try eleven. Oh yeah. Okay. What do you say, Chris?
2: I'll try twelve. Go on then.
1: Oh, you <laughs>
0: Go
1: on, Chris. Okay. Uruguay. Correct. Russia.
2: Correct. USA. Yep. Brazil. Yep. Italy. Yep. France. Yep. England. Yep. Spain. Yep. Mexico. Yes. So I've got, how many more is it? Three more.
1: You've got five. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So I need two more. Cracking start though. And you'll kick yourself if you do get some of these.
2: Netherlands or Holland.
1: Going for Holland.
2: I am indeed, mate.
1: I'm afraid they've never hosted a World Cup. Really?
2: Because was. lambasted for never winning, <laughs> okay. And
1: can you name one for the point? Uh, South Korea. Great. Oh uh, yes. Two
2: thousand and um, two was that? Two, Six, two yeah. The yeah. Italian fix one. <laughs>
1: but, Oh, you're doing so well, Chris. I thought you'd had it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was gonna say Chile, was that on the list?
1: Chile was on the list.
2: Oh, I knew oh. it was early doors. Uh,
1: also on the list that you didn't get was um Switzerland. Okay. That was the uh, the final with the miracle of Bern, where Germany beat Hung- West Germany beat Hungary. Uh, Sweden, Brazil beat Sweden in the final.
2: Oh yeah, was that was what you was talking about last week last time, wasn't it? And yeah, yeah. the keeper, yeah. the striker.
1: South uh, Africa wasn't mentioned, was it? Nope, that was 2010. That was another one. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Argentina, 1978. Yeah, I was going uh, to that. Germany,
2: 1974
1: and 2006. You see, I, I didn't know whether you were going to say
2: whether you wanted me to say West or East. But anyway, I'd, I'd
1: have given you that. Uh
2: never mind. There we go.
1: Anyway, they did it as West Germany and Germany. <laughs> oh yeah, I could have got it wrong. From. Um, Two 0 down, and it's now three two in front. Ooh, right. Next question. oh this is a tricky one, actually. Uh, two clubs have only reached one FA Cup semi final in their history and gone on to win the trophy. Name one of them. So just to be clear, if they if they've reached more than one semi final, then that's not the answer. Wigan. Nope. Optimus. They have No. Nope. Good guesses. Derby. No. Nope. Coventry. Correct. Nineteen eighty-seven—the only yeah. time they've ever got to a semi-final. Talked about it earlier in this podcast.
0: That's why it came to my mind.
1: Good to be Coventry. And uh, the other one was Bradford City in 1911.
2: Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> well, yeah, well done. My
1: next question. Which team did Barcelona beat 4-0 in the Copa del Rey final this year?
2: Atletico Bobo.
1: Right. That's 4-3. Right. Taking it in turns, I want you to name one of the seven Brazilians that have played for Man United in the Premier League.
2: <laughs> okay. I'm
1: going to start off with Ant. Uh, Cleberson.
2: <laughs> Correct? <laughs> First one on my list. Oh, boys.
0: It's just how it's going tonight, Chris. It
2: <laughs> just is, isn't it? I can't... Um... Okay, I'm not sure whether they are, but I'm going to go Fabio.
1: Correct. And Chris.
2: And? Uh, Anderson. Correct. I'll go for Fabio's twin brother, Raphael.
1: Yep, thought someone might. (laughs) I
2: thought you were going to go for him, man. I was like, oh my God.
1: Okay, that's Um, four down. Fred. Correct. All right, two left.
2: Okay, I'm going to go with this guy. I'm not sure whether he is. Andres Pereira.
1: You're going with Andres Pereira?
2: Yeah, he's not at that show, but he was at Manu.
1: You're right, Chris. He was Brazilian. There's one player left. and oh.
0: No, no, nothing's coming to me.
1: Okay. So um, Chris, by sudden death virtue, you get the points. Do you know who the final player was?
2: Um. Oh, Alex well, Tellez. Is it. Uh Porto. I thought it's Portuguese. I didn't until this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright, oh, so
1: another similar question coming up. Are you gonna take it in turns? This time it's name one of the nine clubs that Paul Gascoigne played for. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm starting with Chris. Again, sudden death. Newcastle. Correct? Spurs, Right. Rangers, correct? Right. Middlesbrough, yep. Lazio, yep, of course. Four left. Four. We're into the tough ones, though. Who would be said? So we've had Newcastle, Tottenham, Lazio, Rangers, Middlesbrough. Everton. Correct. Hold
2: well on. good shout. I couldn't even remember. Okay, I'm going to stick this one out. Here. I'm not sure it's going to work, but Boston United.
1: You're going with Boston United, Chris? Yeah, I am, yeah. <laughs> Correct. Well done. That was the last club you played for. And two remain. Oh, was it... I
0: see the one or the other. Was it Burnley?
1: Going with Burnley? I'm not confident. (laughs) Well, you should be. It's right.
2: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) God.
1: Chris, um, there's one club left. I'll I'll be amazed if you get this. Okay. No disrespect, but I'll be amazed if you get this. No. If anyone gets it's, this.
2: He was manager for it for a few days. And that's anyone that I'm that's coming up to my head. And that's Kettering in town.
1: No, it's it's a good guess, but he didn't turn out for them. No. No. Um the final answer is a uh, Chinese club, Gansu wow. Tianma. <laughs> <laughs> well, one early
2: there.
1: So um and you get the point for that. You're leading 5-4. All right, next question. Which football team play their home games at Spotland? Watchdale. All right. Which team play their home games at Brunton Park? Wow. Scunthorpe? No. Cheltenham? No. Exeter? Yeah.
2: No. Newport? No. Cambridge? No. I'm
1: going to have to go through the whole league here. <laughs> um, Carlisle? It is Carlisle. Yeah. All right, that makes it 7-4 to Ant. All right, I've got another gamble question for you. And this is uh, – I, I thought of this one after – um. I heard Ank complaining of teams getting relegated and then being back to the Premier League. There's actually 17 teams who have been relegated from the Premier League and immediately got promoted the following season. 17 teams. 17? God. So there's a few to pick from. Uh, have a little think about it. and then. Uh,
0: so you mean they've gone down and come back straight away?
1: Yep, yeah, during the Premier League era. Yep. Yeah.
0: Sure we counted this right, Dan.
1: okay i'm going to come to you first chris what's your opening bid
2: i'll go with five
1: okay uh six chris any advance on six
2: uh i'll try seven
1: i'll try eight okay
0: nine yeah we can name them chris okay
1: nine okay Cheers, (laughs)
0: Cheers, Anne. <laughs> Just before you
1: start, Chris, I've just realised that I put this quiz together before Watford had secured their promotion, and they're not—they weren't on the list prior. To that. Oh, okay. you definitely have this, Chris.
2: Okay.
1: So sorry about that, but okay. yeah, still seventeen.
2: Okay, um, West Brom.
1: Yep. Done it twice. She said no.
2: I'm very good at
1: No, they did it twice, Chris. You're safe there.
2: Um, Newcastle.
1: Yes. West Ham as well. Yes, you're right. Yeah.
2: Okay. Go go Norwich. Yep. Burnley.
1: Yes, well done.
2: We'll go, um, you start doubting yourself, don't you? Um, these are all a bit dodgy for me. I'll be honest with you. We we'll go Sunderland.
1: Sunderland yeah and De Roy Keane I think I remember wouldn't have done it you're right <sighs> should I
2: put these two here but I don't think he did it um sorry, it let's go for it Uh
1: Derby County Derby County have not done it haven't they okay and can you name one to steal the point? Uh, um, Fulham.
0: Yeah. easy one is. Oh, Not yeah. Forest, nice nothing Forest
1: to it as well. What's I had Not in Forest down. Forest Literally. has done it twice, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've run through the teams that have done it um, Hull City, uh. Uh, Queens Park Rangers, Birmingham City, uh, Manchester City. Charlton, Middlesbrough, Bolton, Crystal Palace, and Leicester City.
2: I actually had Leicester as it more of the one, and I was thinking Palace, and that would have done me.
1: So yeah, Leicester did it twice. Yeah, but
2: then I, I doubted myself because obviously you went down to League um, League One, didn't you? I couldn't quite remember. Before that. My fair play. Can't believe I forgot Fulham. It's just there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, he, well. he got Burnley, which I didn't even have on my list, and I was like, "Don't say Fulham." <laughs> don't say Fulham. <laughs> uh, never
1: mind. All right, the scores are eight four.
2: How many is left? Is it just playing for pride now, Dan?
1: I'm afraid so, Chris. He's got three questions left.
2: That's fine. I can just about deal with that.
1: Okay, I'm going to read you out the clubs, and I want you to name the player that played for these clubs. Okay. Manchester United, Sampdoria, Queen's Park Rangers, Stuttgart, Doncaster Rovers, Birmingham City, Cardiff, Nottingham Forest, Navarra, Panathinaikos.
2: Where are Morrison? My...
1: Uh, no, good guess, but no. I was thinking him.
2: The only other one I've got, but I'm going to go for it. it is Daniel Dickio. So I know he's played for QPR and Sampdoria.
1: That's a good guess, but it is not him, I'm afraid.
0: <sighs> not like uh, Adam Jamazai or whatever his name was.
1: No, no, not him. Can you go from
2: QPR, Sampdoria, and what was the next one? Sorry, mate.
1: Stop right. So it was. Um... Man United, Sampdoria, Queen's Park Rangers, Stuttgart, Doncaster Rovers. Uh, I think a lot of them were loan spells, to be fair. and yeah. uh, Then he went to Birmingham City, Cardiff City, not even. Federico Forest. Makeda. That's it. Oh,
2: Birmingham. well done. Fair play.
0: Him that ruined Liverpool's title bid a few years ago.
2: Makeda, <laughs> wow.
1: Got another one, um, exactly the same. In fact, both of these are the same kind of questions. So I'll name the clubs Al Mudharibi, Al Nasir, Lynn Oslo, Bolton Wanderers, Wigan Athletic, Brighton and Hove Albion, Reading, Al Hilal, West Brom. a
2: awesome very long-ranging clubs.
1: <laughs> I'll give you a clue. It was a goalkeeper.
2: Oh, um, oh. oh I can see his face.
1: Yeah, I can <laughs> as well.
2: Is it al Rahabi oh. or something? Al- I'll, I'll give Al-Habbi. you that. Ali
1: Al-Habzi. Oh, oh
2: Ali,
1: I didn't
2: like it. <laughs> <laughs> I can see his on, face. Playing. I could always shake his hand, mate. I can see it. How you
0: doing, Ali? <laughs> if I wasn't winning, Chris, I want VAR on that sound. On that, <laughs> You saying that name.
1: I didn't know he played for so many English clubs. Yeah, yeah. It was at West Brom until very recently, actually, as a backup keeper. Fair play. All right, and final question. I'll name you the clubs. Lyon. Paris Saint-Germain, A.C. Milan, Venezia, Marseille, Bolton Wanderers, Birmingham City, Christophe Dugery. Yeah. Nope.
2: No, it's
1: not? Oh, okay. So I'll continue. Uh, But Bolton, Birmingham City, Leicester City, Hereford United.
2: God, that's a poll from Grace.
0: Just a bit. <laughs> um, what Birmingham to Leicester? <laughs> <laughs> hey. Depends um, what area it was.
2: Um, oh God! Oh. Leicester were buying those were players under. Uh, At that mental stage where it was buying everyone.
1: Dzhokharov? No. Good guess, but no.
2: Bruno Engotti. Correct.
1: Uh, oh chap manager
0: classic he was.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was yeah he was yeah you pulled a bit of pride back there at the end chris thank you very much happy it's finished nine six to ant so well done ant.
2: so it's blooming crowns. i need to look at start looking at division two grounds i think <laughs>
1: chris you just need to watch gillette,
0: gillette soccer saturday that's how you learn them all
1: <laughs> but no that's some um there's some good bidding going on there up in the air. Oh, I can't yeah, believe disgusting.
2: you pulled that Burnley one out for Gaza. I'm so confident with that.
1: Yeah, that was impressive.
2: What we got next weekend? Tell me well, the next episode. What well, top tens.
0: I've got, I've got a good one for us. Oh, now I've not actually done much research on this. So I don't know how much there is, but I've gone for top ten Premier League unfulfilled potential. Fulfilled potential.
2: Ooh, okay. So, what, <laughs> what grounds are we looking at with this then?
0: Well, whatever you feel is unfulfilled okay. potential, I'll, okay. I'll leave it. I'll leave it there for you. Okay. Whatever your take is on it.
2: Hmm. Okay, like it.
0: And then top fives. I thought I'd do a, another little jokey one. Um, I hope I'm going to explain this. Okay. Um, top five managers or players who have a very suitable name for the clubs that they're at. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So it can be like the, the name sounds the same as the club, or it sounds like the nickname, or whatever. Think okay, outside the okay, box. I'm sure you. I'm sure you've got a few examples off the top of your head straight away. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. I
2: think
1: a, a very famous manager. Nice. Sounds good to me a bit daunted by this unfulfilled potential one. That's a massive one. <laughs> like I said, I've not I've not done the research,
0: so I might uh, regret Could it stuff.
2: Are, are we going to obviously go away from the flop um, thing as well? So it'd be someone that we've never used as a flop, obviously, because we've just been repeating ourselves.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I mean,
2: there might be the odd crossover, but I'm mainly yeah. thinking
0: of someone who was supposed yeah to started somewhere really good
2: and then yeah just ended up in nothing cool no worries
1: okay all right well i think that wraps it up so i'll just give the socials again if people want to get in touch twitter handle is var at the bar one email address var at the bar 2020 at gmail.com and you can also find us on facebook var at the bar so, thank you, gents. Another cracking episode put together there. Top list, as always. So that's um, a goodbye from me. See you goodbye later. from me, and we'll catch you next time. Podcast Network.